Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town, although in that case, one earphone only, safety kids, I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop, And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Welcome into Take Command. I'm Craig Hoffman. He is Logan Paulson, and that game was not very good. It's the Instant Reaction Show. We're live on YouTube at the Team 980 and at 106.7 The Fan. Uh, of course, if you got to scramble at some part of this and you want to make sure you catch the rest of it, this will be in full on the podcast feeds tomorrow. Or if you're listening tomorrow on the podcast feeds, this was live on YouTube last night. So there's that. All right, Logan, uh, that's the housekeeping. They lost 14-7 to the Giants. This is the yeah. second time this year that they've lost to the team that I think most people think was the worst team in football at the time. Um, we can parse out why the Giants maybe were a little... Um, underrated, who they played, all that kind of stuff. They started to turn the corner a little bit last week, a la the Bears the week before Washington played them. But at the end of the day, like it's the same old story with this team. They gave up a ton of sacks. Um, they didn't seem to be helping Sam out a lot. Sam wasn't helping himself out a lot. Um, they make it interesting kind of at the end. And on a day where the defense played better, the offense stinks. When the offense plays well, the defense doesn't play well. They just cannot seem to for years uh, on end at this point, put together a complete football game, especially on a day where because of the opponent, a lot of people thought they were very capable of putting a complete game together. That is the highest level thoughts from me. And I tried to also encapsulate some of the feelings, I think, of a lot of fans watching this um, as you sit back and and take it in through your analytical lens. Um, <clears throat> what are your high level thoughts on this? Yeah, I think the thing for me that really sticks out kind of above all else is the um, is that this, you know, styles make fights. And we kind of knew, talking about in the pregame, talking about in the podcast of the week, that while the Giants don't look like a very good football team and while it looks like the matchup favors Washington, I felt like they were looking at it through a defensive lens. They were looking at Washington's defense, you know, in relationship to the, uh, the Giants' offense. And I think there's been a pretty good precedent of that group being quieted or, or the, the effectiveness of the defensive line specifically being quieted by through game call through game planning, and um, and that's what the Giants did. And then on the other side of the football, you get Sam Howell, a young player, going up against a Wink Martindale defense, and the one thing Sam does not do very well is handle pressures. And so, like, this was exactly kind of like the, the thing that I think we both thought could happen in this game in terms of if they choose to heat you up, which I think every, everyone thought that Wink would do that, this is going to be tough, and there needs to be answers. Wink Martindale doesn't realize you can't – like, you don't have to blitz. 
I mean, he didn't blitz versus Josh Allen, you know, because Josh Allen is Josh Allen. I mean, and for him not blitzing is like 25% of the time. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, even when he doesn't blitz, he blitzes more than most, a lot of coaches. Right. And so I I think, like, this is exactly, like, was my worst fear. Is you get in these really weird game flow situations. You get in this habit of, like, running the football on first down. You get in the second and 10. Second and 10 is, you know, there's a very high statistical tendency here to, like, throw the football on second and 10. When you throw the football in second and ten, Wink knows that he's going to heat you up. It's hard to it's hard to kind of pass block these all out looks without quick answers, and uh, then you're in third and fifteen, and then you take another sack. And so I, I think that that was something that was again like worst case scenario, but it kind of unfolded before me as the game went on. And um, I think the thing that's kind of disappointing is that um, you know like I think everyone knew what was going to happen, and the Giants still did it. And I think that's the thing that was frustrating and, and again like we've talked about kind of high level things that could be done i think you saw some of that stuff in the second half you know they it's got so really, frustrating they got really sprint heavy in the second half as a way to manage the rush but you know maybe that's something that should have been talked about earlier in the week i'm not sure but um you know that that's kind of my thought is that like this was a game that was got, that vegas had close that we thought could be close if it played like this and it played exactly like that it played exactly like like the, the way it needed for the Giants to win the football game. And it's not like they got lucky. It's like that's what the Giants do. You know, they, they run the football. They're not super efficient offensively, but they kind of go on long drives. They possess the football. They found some ways to make explosive plays. They, that's how teams that are not as good win. And the crazy thing is they only scored 14 points. They only scored 14 points. In that right. Game, so, Like you just had to not stink offensively. And there was one way to – Make sure that you didn't stink, which is protect Sam at all costs. And they failed. Like, they just flat out, from a planning standpoint, failed to do that. And, like, this is, I'm going to use this word, uh, and I'm going to use it in a professional sense. I'm not calling uh, Eric Bienemy this and, like, a, his character, who he is as a human. But professionally, as a play caller, there is an arrogance that bothers me. And when you look at that defense and you go, we're just going to do what we do, that's arrogant. Like there's no other word for it. Like you just have to be able to look at it and go, yep, no, that their strength is our weakness. How do we mitigate their strength and hide our weakness? And instead it was like, no, we like to drop back pass. We think we have whatever matchups, whatever. And you just set Sam back there to get annihilated. And I don't think the offensive line played particularly well. Um, I also don't think they were set up for success. And when you have six sacks and all this pressure and all this stuff, there's enough blame to go around everywhere. There are some plays that are going to wind up being on the line. There are definitely some that are going to wind up being on Sam. It's like, bro, you're under fire. When your back foot hits, you've got to get the ball out somewhere. So there's some of that. But there's also just a, an unwillingness to use the run game. And especially from under center, they have more success from under center when they started going to that. Um, and the screen game, which was supposed to be a big part of their offense, allegedly, like that is... That is every Madden play caller's favorite uh, response to pressure. Is like, oh, dream. They're going to send a bunch of dudes. Let's throw it over their head five feet and run the other way. They, their first screen is on to Antonio Gibson, I think, in the second half or late second quarter. Second, like late second third, quarter. Third and 20. It's like, yeah. where is that in a second and eight where Wink's trying to heat you up and get you in third and 13? Like, that kind of stuff just didn't happen. There's no easy answers. And it, as a result, it looked like an offense that was lost. And I just... I can't understand how you have that plan going into that game. And once you see like, nope, that ain't going to work, how you don't go to plan B much faster because they clearly 
whether they had to draw it up or they they went to it that what they were going to in the late third fourth quarter like where their last 25 plays are part of an eight and a 17 play drive if that's your game you get some field goals like you probably punch it in you're in dangerous positions far more often instead they didn't threaten the entire game and that's how you wind up losing 14 7 to the new york giants yeah, and I think, you know, like I share a lot of those same frustrations. And I think the thing I just want to point out, and I have to remind myself when you're coming out of this game, is there are answers for blitzes in dropback concepts, right? Like there's hot routes, there's flat routes, there's quick throws, and there's side adjustments. There's all sorts of stuff that could have been going on in this game that we can't see from the TV copy. So I, I, while I am frustrated, like I know I've been a part of offenses that are pretty detailed with regards to dropback stuff and pressure so i'm kind of waiting to reserve judgment but i do i the stuff about the screens i think is is but here, here would be my pushback logan even if those answers exist within the offense well, he hasn't used them well he being sam hasn't deployed them well all year at some point as the play caller you have to stop the definition of insanity thing and try to stop doing the same thing expecting different results i guess what i'm saying is that like you for example Let's just say, I don't know, like any concept you want to run. Let's let's talk about bow, right? We're running bow concept. It's a five-yard sit and a dig behind it, and we've got a flat. This week, we're talking about, hey, you know, like there's different points of emphasis versus different coverages for the same concept. Right, and so sure. if, I'm, if I'm EB, like I might have emphasized that we might have talked about it. Sam and his presser kind of alluded to like we had a plan. It didn't go the way we thought. We had to adjust. And so – I'm going to, I'm going to wait until I see what the plan was allegedly. And then we can kind of talk about that. But I still think to your point, like there's other tools in the box. You know what I mean? It doesn't need to be, you know, not every, like, I know this, this is an old adage. Like when you have a, ha a hammer, every problem looks like a nail. Like that's kind of what this felt like. It's like sometimes, Hey man, let's get to that screen. Let's get to that uh, sprint. Let's get to that keeper. Let's do something different to change the launch point, play action pass where you kind of do a half roll. Like I call it a waggle. Like, that stuff is important. It's impactful. And it, to your point, it felt very stagnant. And again, game flow might have been a, a contributor to that because they were in like a whole bunch of three and outs, like kind of back to back to back to back. And, you know, they didn't run the football super effectively in the first half. Like, to be honest, like as much as I want to say, like, they need to be better there, like, um, because it, like you run the ball on first down for a no gain at second and 10. Like, and that's just been the kind of the MO for the last you know, six quarters, quite frankly, since the Falcons game. So, like, obviously that's an area that needs to improve, and I think that will improve. Like, this is an NFL organization, and these are smart people. So they'll make it happen. But I think to your point, like, you might have had a plan in the context of, the, of these plays, these dropbacks, but I also think however good that plan is, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Like, this actually happened to me recently when I was coaching the high school. Like, I had a plan. I was like, if they're going to line up like this, we will absolutely dice them. And then they changed their coverage for us and I didn't have a good answer and I felt like I had my pants down a little bit and I couldn't make adjustments because it's high school you can't make adjustments at halftime really the same way you can as in the NFL but that this stuff does happen you're like this is a really good solution to what they're presenting and it just doesn't go the way you think it's going to go and then you got to adjust and so I think like to your point I think um I agree with a lot of that earlier screens earlier rolls earlier keepers earlier waggle all that stuff super important um, but I'm not going to like, well, hopefully they did have a good answer in some of that dropback stuff and we'll see. And maybe in the, yeah. maybe in the, uh, in the film review, it's like, no, they didn't. And then, then what was, yeah, then we'll what see. I mean, I want to know how many quick comebacks they have, how many slants they have, like, where's the, where's the shallow crosses, where's the stuff that could have gotten the ball out of Sam's hands quickly. 
And I don't feel like it was there. Like, it's not like you're, I mean, there's a couple of times, sure, where there's guys right in front of Sam. You're like, dude, just throw it. But it, it definitely seems like there's a lot of like empty screen where those guys belong and uh, blue jerseys piling on top right. of Sam Howell. Hey, everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Um, I, I think that my other frustration though, is like, what, what are the best stretches of offense they've had this year? Eagles game. They had a stretch against Atlanta at first half. Um, yeah. and then obviously the stretch against Denver, all of those, maybe with the exception of Denver, those good stretches they've had have been with a good heavy dose of the quick stuff that gets the ball out of Sam's hands. And the other one is against the Broncos who were maybe the worst defense in football. And certainly were playing like it at the time. Sure. So I, I just, what I don't like, I don't pretend in my chair that I have all the answers. I know that right. Eric enemy knows more football than me, but sometimes I can, I just feel like from our chairs for whatever reason, like it's a forest through the trees thing where we have a better feel for, or for what works. And it's like, I can look at the trend when Terry's involved, when, uh, you get the ball to these guys early, the offense goes better. And sometimes that's forcing it a little bit, but like, that's why Terry's Terry, um, you know, getting, when he got involved in the game, their offensive fortune started to change. So how do you get him involved in the game earlier? Like to me, that's how I would be thinking about this offense. And it just seems like it's, we're going to drop back, read it out and, and see what happens. And what's going to happen is Sam's going to continue to take a record number of sacks. And instead of he's on pace to be Derek or uh, David Carr, He's going to be David Carr. Like, right. don't do that to Sam. That's not fair to him. And it, you just got to as a, like, and we talked about this in one of the commercial breaks during pregame, where it's just like, if you're giving up nine sacks at some point as a coordinator, you, like, that's on you. There's, there's like no execution level that you go, that's 100% on the players just not executing. You have not set them up for success. And they did change stuff up in the second half. Like, Logan Thomas, uh, or no, it was Andrew Wiley. I heard in the locker room talking about it. Like, they did do keep tight ends in like they, they were able to stem it after the first drive of the second half. Why did it take so long? And that's something that we're going to have to figure out on the film review right. to an extent, but like philosophically, there is no good answer. Like it clearly wasn't working. Yeah. But I, again, like you, you know, you said, I always with coaches and this kind of stuff, I always kind of give them the benefit of the doubt until I watch the film. And um, I do think that they, they must have had some solution. They must have had some reasoning for why they were doing the things they were doing. And hopefully we can kind of distill that down for you in the podcast on Tuesday. But I think like to your point, like you made some adjustments, you made some changes and, um, and it works a little bit better in the second half. And, and even that is not great. You know, it's a little yeah, bit it's methodical. Seven. Yeah. It's a little methodical, a little bit de deliberate, but 
um, it was a frustrating game to watch as a fan of, of the team and a fan of offensive football. And I'm sure the players feel very frustrated too about it. And I'm sure EB's frustrated. Like no one wants, like I'm tell, speaking from experience, like no one wants to go out as an offensive football player and score less than 25 points. Like no, like any outing like that, like I've been a part of some bad offenses and every one of them makes you feel sick because, you know, football is like the consummate team game. It's consummate, right? And so when I go in the locker room after a game like this, I look at the defensive players and I would just say like, I'm sorry, dude. Like we dropped the ball. Because you did your deal. You kept them to 14 points. You made some really critical plays in critical situations. Special teams, same thing. Trust punted his leg off, did a great job. They recovered that muff punt. That's all good stuff. And again, I'm, I'm sure people are going to be critical of the defense, especially in the first half. But I go they were back also to, it was three and out, three and out, three and out. Like yeah, Trust punted on, seven times, and it just felt like they ran out of gas because they were on the field so much. I agree. And so, uh, and as an offensive player, it's just like, man. And as an offensive staff, it's like, you know, like we just didn't do what we needed to do. And I think um, the thing about the NFL is like this game's going to flush pretty quickly for them because they got a tough one coming up next week. And they're going to get back to the drawing board, and that's the process. But in the meantime, I do think there was – I'm sure everyone's disappointed who's involved in this because it's like they they had a plan, whatever the plan was, and it just didn't execute the way they thought it would. And yeah. that's tough. That, that, I just that's, think it's – yeah. And well, I mean, I know this one definitively. We have to wait till Tuesday, but sometimes the plan is not a good plan. It, uh, that's true. Like, but I, that's the, I, I will say, like, and again, like, I'm just, we're just talking ball here. You think the plan's good on Tuesday or Wednesday? You know what I'm saying? You think, uh, you think that it's the right thing, right? And you, you believe in it. You spend all this time with it, and, um, and it's just tough, man. It, it, it's disappointing. It's disappointing when this is the result for sure. And um, again, like a lot of people are going to be pretty upset about it. So. Apparently, John Allen's one of them. Uh, this quote from the yeah. locker room uh, that William just shared with us. Um, since we're live, William, I'm just going to say bleep myself uh, as opposed to making you do this later. I'm bleeping tired of this bleep. I'm bleeping tired of this bull. It's been seven bleeping years of the same bleep. I'm tired of this bleep. Yeah. I, yeah. uh, John's been here for seven years and it's the same stuff. And it's, I mean, individually, like, yeah, he's played pretty well through most of it. Um, so I can understand where you just look around and you're like, all right, I'm doing everything I can. Like, what the hell? Um, you know, fans between one year and, you know, 70 years for some right. people, it's felt like the same thing. And, um, and I get the frustration and, and I think that it's important to remember that, like, if you want, I, you get the one or two, um, yahoos that are like, if this is the Josh Harris area era, then what's the difference? He took over the team on the day before training camp. This is this is entirely the old operation from a football standpoint. You need an off season, but like that's been my whole thing. Like why I'm so frustrated watching this team is because there's not really a lot anyone can do. Like it is fun to me. This is 100 me speaking. I think this team is fundamentally flawed. I think they're flawed in their makeup. I think their roster is fundamentally flawed. I think the coaching staff is fundamentally flawed. And there's not anything you can do about any of those problems right now. All you can do is week to week hope that they overcome themselves, that they play up to their potential. But here's the thing about average coaches, average players, you know, whether you want to use the word average, mediocre, lackluster, whatever, depending on who we're talking about here, is they're in the league because they're talented. They're in the league because they're capable of, of good things. But the great ones do it every week. And so you're going to get a week here and there where they convince you that they're good and that they're worth of, worthy of your time and your energy and all that kind of stuff. And then a lot of other weeks are going to look like this because every other team 
has the exact same guys, except for like five teams who are actually genuinely really good and like three more who are actually genuinely terrible. And so, yeah, could they go out and compete with and beat the Eagles next week? They absolutely could, which is why we watch because it's fun that way. But like you're also not immune if you go beat the Eagles from another performance like this. You don't ever figure it out in this league. You just are right more often than you're wrong or wrong more often than you're right. And the rights and wrongs come together to be your record at the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, I think that that is uh, that's really good insight there, and it's being it's it's something that's really challenging, you know, because like you believe, like when you like being on a roster, sitting in the meeting room, you believe every week you're going to win the game, you know, even when you're bad, like you're like we got this game, and the uh, Patriots <laughs> beat the Bills today. Yeah, and like the, the Baltimore Ravens kicked the tar out of the Detroit Lions. Like, yeah, I, like, I still think the Lions are good, but like, holy crap, what a win! Right. Yeah, and like that's the thing is like finding that level of consistency, that mindset. It is a it's a perfect it's a perfect storm every single week for you and I think there are good coaches there are good players that increase the likelihood of that um, I think you know the San Francisco 49ers are an interesting case study because they're well coached and they've got very talented players but you know like they like the composition of the team is is similar to other teams in the NFL I you know what I mean like they they have a, a second year quarterback and they've elevated him they found ways to make that go and I think right. um, like, well, that's the difference, right? So, like, when I talk about this roster being fundamentally flawed, is like they've got a second-year quarterback, and they've also got – I know he's not playing today, uh, or he's doubtful, but, like, they've also got Trent Williams. Like, they invested in the weapons around him. And Christian McCaffrey, like, they got him not, – not that I think Brian Robinson's a bad football player, or Chris Rodriguez, or Antonio Gibson, but, like, what happens if you're in position to draft B. John Robinson to help Sam Howell? Do you do that? Or do you go do something else? And like you take risks, you draft Jahan Dotson, who most people have a second round grade on in the first round. And I like Jahan a lot as a football player, but like he's got a big drop today. And that was yeah. part of the repertoire for him coming out was how is he going to handle the physicality and some of this stuff? So like if, if you're Ron and you do things your own way all the time and think you're smarter than everyone else with how you run the organization, because you constantly seem to be zigging when everyone else would say zag, like you better be right or ultimately like Josh Harris is going to make a decision here pretty soon or at the very least after the season. And that's not me like wishing that on anyone or being overly negative. It's just the reality of like, that's the league. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't really have a lot to add to that. I think, um, you know, I, I just would say to fans, to you that as much as it feels, it's, it feels terrible. Like these guys want to win football games. Obviously John wants sure. to win football games and they're doing everything they can to win. It's just, it's, it's hard, man. It's hard. It's like, it's so hard to win games. And I know fans are going to hear me say that and be like, yeah, we know it's hard. I don't think you do know how hard it is. It's like everyone, you, you kind of pour your heart and soul to it every single week and you don't get the results you want. It's really challenging. And so, you know, what is it? Is it the players? Is it the coaches? Like there are teams, like I think take like the Arizona Cardinals are a great example. Like they are constantly outperforming, you know, what their roster says they should be. And why is that? Is that scheme? Is that approach? Is that making sure you've got the right guys maybe not physically, but mentally, like look at Houston, they were the worst, worst roster in football last year. And now they're like a competitive football team. Like what's the difference? And it's really hard to, to, to know. And I think that's why this game is so fun to talk about. And this is something maybe we should talk about in the off season some more, but all I can say is that this is a gross feeling for everybody, for fans, for players, for coaches. Um, and all you can do is just keep working and keep getting better. And like you said, like things are, decisions are going to be made here um soon and i think everyone's aware of that i i can tell you this right now though in 2012 we had a similar feeling to this game like we we had similarly bad losses we had similarly bad performances 
And for whatever reason, I, and, I, and I wish I could tell you it was X, Y, Z. It wasn't. Like, we won a game we probably shouldn't have won. We started believing in ourselves. We started executing a little bit better. We got a little momentum. And that momentum changed the trajectory of that season. Like, that team, that roster that I was on was not like an overly talented roster. Like, you look top to bottom, you're like, you know, Josh Morgan's a receiver. I'm starting at tight end. Darrell Young starting at fullback. Pierre Garçon's receiver. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like, wow, look at these Hall of Fame names. It's like the sum of the parts became – became uh, the sum of the parts – became greater than the sum of the individuals. And I think that's something that it's so hard to articulate why and how that happens, but it does happen. And maybe this is the catalyst. Maybe they have a players meeting next week and it turns a quarter. I don't know. I hope it does. But all I'm saying is that it's very, very challenging um, to do that consistently each and every week. And I know that's what fans want, um, but it's, it's tough, man. And I, I hope that, I hope they can figure it out is really, is really I, where I'm at. I right do now. too. And, and I think it's like, Criticism can come without it being personal. These guys yeah. want to win, they're trying, all that kind of stuff. But here, like, here's a couple of things the 2012 team had. It just in my, I mean, I wasn't covering the team then. I didn't live in the area then. Like, uh, this is just me post history. You were yeah. on the freaking team. So, what, who am I to tell you? But here I go. Um, you had London Fletcher as a leader. And true. That, we got this team's got John Allen. I don't know. Like, with all due respect to John, who I love, I don't get the sense that there's a standard across this whole operation that is as high as like a London Fletcher said it. And I think that's probably something that also stems from a coaching staff that, you know, Ron after this game, and I know like there's something about a steady hand and, and don't get too high, don't get too low. When you've got John Allen giving the quote that I gave five minutes ago and Ron being like 10 games left to go and just, you know, kind of the same guy as he always is. Like you just had your, your second loss in three weeks that, a lot of coaches would just get fired after like straight up, like the loss to the bears is the kind of loss. I mean, Nikki wrote it in the post. Remember that was her, her lead it was like, this is the kind of game that gets coaches fired and you don't get fired then. And part of it is probably the circumstances around of the organization being under new ownership and them still figuring out where, the, you know, where everything is. Um, and you have a second kind of loss like that in three weeks. And like, there's no, there doesn't seem to be a sense of urgency and a sense of crispness and a sense of all that stuff. And even to the point that like when EB came in and was rubbing some people the wrong way with that kind of stuff and Ron comes in and tries to smooth it over, like part of that was a kind of a wake up call of like Eric coming in and like saying, this is how we did it in Kansas city. And it doesn't reflect at all how things were done here. And I know that there is like, there's more than one way to do this. You don't have to be as intense as Eric is, or as maybe the way Andy runs things is one way and Belichick runs them another McVay runs them another, like there's different ways to do this, but we're now four years into Rivera and he's won 42% of his games. And I just think that there between player leadership, coach leadership, there is not a general Christmas and urgency to anything that this organization does. And I don't know what that means in terms of act. Like, that's not me saying like the urgency should be fire Rivera, five minutes ago. That's not what I'm saying. I'm sure all the fans in the comments, uh, the first like 17 comments we had were fire Ron, fire Jack, fire EB, fire everybody. That's not what I mean. But there does need to be like, if that's how John feels, like how is that coming through on the, the practice field? Um, you know, Chase had a quote after the game. He said he needs to lead by example in practice to turn things around. So I don't, and again, we don't know what's going on in practice. So like, I and I'm not trying to put, I, I don't, I'm not saying anything in terms of like, I know this is happening. I have no information here, right? But I'm saying if Chase is saying that, if John is saying that, like, what are you guys doing to turn that around? I don't know. I don't have the access to that information. This is all stuff that happens behind closed doors. 
you're not behind those, even with your role of the team now, you're not behind those closed doors, but you've been behind those doors with other teams. And so I would ask, like, if you are behind those doors and you are a John, you're a Chase, you're a Terry, you're a whoever, like, how are you getting that sense of urgency? And am I off on the diagnosis here that it does seem like there's a lack of that um, with the way that the team is responding and, and the way that you've now had these two games against Chicago and um, and New York these last three weeks? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think that the stuff against uh, Chicago was probably affected from a, like a physical standpoint in a different way. Yeah, I think there was a lot, a lot of kind of outlier things going on there. And I do think like there's there's a maturity to a team that's really hard. And I do think the new CBA has made it challenging to kind of cultivate leadership with kind of that middle level NFL guy. You know, you mentioned Fletcher, but in addition to Fletcher, there's, you know, Corey Lichtensteiger, there's Will Montgomery, there's guys that right. do things the right way that are professionals in the building, Kedrick Olston, Lorenzo Alexander, like those guys are on that 2012 team. And here, you know, like there is a bunch of young guys and there's a bunch of kind of senior guys the oldest one being Tress Way. And again, I think Tress is a great leader, but that, I don't care how dynamic of our, you are as a leader. It's hard to do that as a punter, right? And right. I look at the line, linebackers are young. Safeties are young. Cam is in, what, his fourth year? Right. He's like but even like John and Terry, who are great leaders, their whole yeah. NFL experience is here. Yeah. No, and, I, and I, I'm with that. I think the thing that I look at, you, you asked me like what I would do and, or how I would approach it. And I think back to teams that handled adversity well, and they were just compiled of guys, a bunch of guys who were really good pros. Football was really important to them in, in a way that is, and I know football is important to everybody who plays in the NFL, but it was like, they were like, we're going to stay late. We're going to study more. We're going to handle practice in a very specific way. And eventually the ship just writes itself. If you do things the right way consistently, you know, without being prompted, without being prodded, that's when I, that, those are the best teams I've been a part of is guys who are having, you know, like um, the quarterback, Matt Ryan, when I was in Atlanta, he was like, Hey man, we got all the receivers. We're going to review some film real quick. I'll get some pizza. Let's get it done. And like, was, is that happening here with a young quarterback at the helm? Probably not. Like, and that's not an indictment of Sam. That's just like, again, there are, like you pointed out, there are some interesting, interesting, interesting leadership vacancies based on how they've constructed the roster. And again, I've been on part of teams like this too, with young quarterbacks, guys that don't know exactly what's going on. But you got to be smart about the guys you have around the team to kind of promote and, 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 and make the culture that you want. But in terms of like what's different, like again, in 2012, it wasn't like we came to work the next day and we're like, man, we're going to do stuff differently. It was like we just took that same group and doubled down our focus. And then every, every loss we had, the focus got doubled down. And people didn't – there wasn't a lot of like – you know, negativity. It was just like we had dudes that were football was really important to, and every day they came to work and they came to get better. And that was it. And like they took a lot of person that group, I, I have a lot of respect for everyone in that group. They took a ton of personal accountability. Like, I can do this better. I will be better. I'm going to try and get this done. And um, Fletch is like that. You know, Fletch, like even to this day, you talk about some of the stuff that happened in 2012 that he regrets. And he was like, I knew XYZ then, and I wish I would have done that. Like, what are we? We're like twenty years later, almost. Like, and he's not still quite talking. that long. But I know we're old now, but it's only eleven years. But like, it's but like that is the type of guy, you know, the guy that are saying like, "What can I do more?" And then they bring everybody with you. So, um, again, that's been my experience. Again, in ten years, that was the best. The, the best teams I was a part of. Everyone was like that, and that's a decision that's made by the staff. That's a decision made by guys in the team. And um, you know, we'll see. Like the again, I, I say, I've said this every time I've lost. 
It's only a negative if they don't learn anything from it and get better. It, that's the only reason it's negative. Like, I know that's hard for fans to hear, but that has been my experience from like like AYSO soccer out in California through UCLA through the NFL and now coaching high school football. It's only bad if you don't learn anything from it. And so EB as a first year first time play caller, does he learn something from this? I hope so. Does he say, man, so. like th- this plan wasn't exactly what I thought? How do I humble myself and kind of find the better a better solution earlier in the game? Great. Then next time it's not going to happen. And I think that's what I'd say is like if if the staff and if the team is composed the right way, they will be better from this. And and I think that's that's the thing that I am hoping. And I don't know because like you said, I don't have any insight into like what's going on behind closed doors. But that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, um, I think that's what makes this lo- this loss so frustrating is because you look at the Bears game and you kind of hope that was the one. Kind of right? hope that was the one that would teach you. Um, but you know, again, if you want to put an optimist spin on it, they are just three and four. They played Philly really tough a couple weeks ago. This one's at home. Um, FedEx hasn't exactly been kind to the Commanders this year, but theoretically that should be an advantage. Um, you know, and and maybe maybe they learn. Maybe they there's some stuff they liked in that game. Um, I don't know, man. There's there's a lot we left on the table too. Um, a couple of defensive guys who didn't have the best days. Um, there's some decision making from Rivera um, that we can get yeah. into uh, on. I, I on- mean, like ultimately, like dude, it wasn't it wasn't a good game. You know, yeah. like like I think that's like as much as we, you know, like we, we got a little distracted there talking about ownership and leadership and all this stuff. But the game, I I feel fans, it wasn't as productive or what or, or anything that they wanted it to be. And I think we both can acknowledge that. Yeah. Um, and I, I think we're both frustrated by it. Um, but yeah, like it's it's a it's a tough spot for the team to be in, and it's not ideal. But you know, again, like I'm going to say this again: if the team's built the right way, they'll be able to turn it around. And you know, depending on who you ask, you might not think that they're built the right way, but that's uh, that's a conversation for another time. Yeah, uh, part of that conversation will be on uh, on Thursday that's or right. on Tuesday, uh, and and then you got guys get to hear it on Wednesday because we'll have a better sense of what the plan was by watching. The tape, um, we'll get into some of the decision-making by Rivera as well in terms of go for it or not on that fourth and three, um, whether to accept the penalty before the first Giants yeah. touchdown. Like there's some, there's some, like there was literally something for everyone in this game and none of the some things were very good. That is how you lose 14-7 to a one and five team in the NFL. All right, uh, that's it for the instant reaction show. Uh, we will talk to you guys next time on Take Command. Make sure you're subscribed for all of your podcasting needs, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, free Odyssey app. Uh, And then other than that, I'll see you guys on the radio, uh, 4 to 7 p.m. on the Team 980 for the Hoffman Show. Thanks for listening, and uh, see you next time on Take Care.